0: Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast that fuels your entrepreneur spirit, brought to you by Inkomoko, We deliver thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, game changers, and unsung heroes, all making an impact in their communities and shaping the future of business. Let's grow together and transform the world, one business at a time. Hello
1: everyone, we are back with another exciting episode of In Conversation. My name is Angela Buengi and I'm the head of advocacy at Inkomoko. Today, I'm very much excited to have Wawira Njiru, the Founder and Executive Director of Food for Education Kenya. Could you kindly introduce yourself? Thank you
0: for having me. Uh, My name is Wawira. Uh, I'm the Founder of Food for Education and the CEO. And uh, I'm excited to be here and to talk about the work that Food for Education does and my journey.
1: You have a background in nutrition and food sciences. As a nutritionist, was founding an organization like this where you always envisioned yourself?
0: No. So I actually stumbled on the degree of nutrition uh, because I went to my undergrad in Australia and um, nutrition was a shorter degree. So I wanted to kind of come back home. So I wanted to do a health degree that would help me come back home and also like find a job. So I was trying to get a job, but now... Um, you know run food for education is not what I expected to be doing for my career at that point
1: could you share how you came about the idea of starting food for education
0: yeah so food for education was started actually when I was in uni Um, I wanted to uh, contribute back to um the community that I grew up in which is just outside Nairobi it's called Riru And um, I wanted to make a difference in education, so give kids an opportunity to get an education and to learn uh, and stay in school, because my parents had gotten opportunities to go to school because of scholarships and because of different interventions that had enabled them to get education. And because of that, I was able to get those opportunities as well. So I wanted to give kids just that starting point of um, getting access to an opportunity to learn. i was living in australia at the sa- at that time and so i called my parents and i told them my idea and i asked them to go to the public school and to find out what the biggest need and what the biggest barrier kids had to access education uh, they came back and they said that the biggest barrier the teachers had said was that kids were fainting kids were hungry kids were running away from school Uh, And so that's where the idea of a school feeding program started, from essentially that need of kids fainting and kids hungry. Uh, And that was how Food for Education started.
1: It is interesting to learn how your upbringing influenced your decision to start a school feeding program. Looking at the mission of your organization, how has it evolved since its inception?
0: Yeah, so the mission has remained actually quite constant, uh, which is to feed kids and to ensure they're nourished so that they can stay in school. I think what's changed um, is the model on how we can do it. So we've, you know, we moved from a more decentralized model to using central kitchens to distribute meals. Uh, there's a parent contribution. Now there's a government contribution to the meals. So making sure that there's sustainability in terms of uh, the payment between parents government and philanthropy, uh, but also making sure that our kids are getting nutritious meals through the best way possible. So the model has changed in some ways to adapt for geography, to adapt for different types of schools, to adapt for different types of regions. But the purpose has remained the same, which is to ensure kids are nourished in schools.
1: I can see the model has evolved to adapt to changing needs. What are some specific examples of the impact your organization has had on students and communities?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, some of the impacts that we've had is to, um, you know, since inception, we've served over 31 million meals. Uh, We we currently feed 165,000 children every single day. Uh, In 2020, for context, we were feeding just 10,000 children daily. And next year, we're expecting to move to about 400,000 children every single day. So it's a huge increase. We've seen up to 20% improvement in our partner schools in performance, uh, 27% increase in enrollment, up to 30%. Uh, 27 to 30% increase in enrollment, uh, improved dietary diversity, so students eat on average two more food groups while eating with us than they do at home, Uh, and we've also created a network of 100,000 plus smallholder farmers across Kenya. And we've also created a lot of jobs, which is something that I'm very proud of. Uh, over 2,000 jobs across the country, uh, including even some kids who started off very early have now come back and they're part of uh, our workforce, which is very exciting. They're now adults, obviously, um, and they're contributing to feed other kids like them.
1: The organization has really grown and serving 31 million meals so far is quite a good impact. Are there any innovative or unique approaches that your organization has taken to achieve its goals?
0: Yeah, so we've tremendously grown in operations, as you've mentioned, and we've leveraged technology and our hub and spoke model of central kitchens. Uh, so that's been really critical, making sure that we're able to have a central point of production and distribution. Um, and our tap to you technology also is another innovation that where we leverage technology to allow parents to contribute towards school, the school feeding program by making micropayments for children's meals. So the parents are contributing an amount that is subsidized uh, and it's one of the tools that we use to collect valuable data uh, using improve- improving our school feeding program and our central kitchen cooking on the other hand also is one of the innovations that allows us to utilize economies of scale in preparing and delivering the safe meals uh, and nutritious meals for children.
1: It's exciting to learn of the great innovations you're using at Food for Education. Moving on to partnerships, you mentioned earlier that you have collaborated with the government and other partners. Can you provide examples of successful collaborations?
0: Yeah, so um right now we partner with you know different um organizations. So corporates in Kenya uh, sponsor meals. We also partner with government. So for corporates, we're partnering with corporate sector to City, Java House, um, Stand Big Bank uh the Rotary Club to be able to provide meals to kids uh, and with governments we partnered uh so far with three county governments which is the Moranga Mombasa and uh, Nairobi gov- uh, county governments to deliver school feeding program um in communities where we work with we always partner with parents so we partner with the community to recruit our staff so our staff come from the community um and they're the ones who are preparing so parents themselves are preparing meals um and in some places you know the government is helping subsidize the meals. so the government contribution contribution is really important because it helps lower the price for parents and enable parents to have affordable and nutritious meals
1: those are really good and dynamic collaborations. Given your experience, explain to us how important partnerships are in addressing the complex issues of food security in education.
0: Yeah, so you know, in terms of uh, school feeding, if you think about school feeding as a as a whole, it's really a component uh, of many many actors. So food security cannot be solved by one person, it cannot be solved uh, by one organization, and it cannot be solved by one component. So partnerships are important from the farmers, for example, that I mentioned, working with a network of about 100,000 farmers, uh, to the suppliers, to the aggregators, to the people who bring the food to our warehouses, um, to the government entities that help us, you know, in terms of like making sure that We're complying with all the rules and regulations around production and distribution. We're building the kitchens in uh, locations that enable us to to serve the meals directly to children. Uh, And then to subsidize the meals to ensure that kids are getting a good price. uh, Or even, you know, in some areas, kids even get food for free uh, to ensure that these meals are being paid for sustainably. So that it's not like we're feeding kids for two days and then stopping. We're ensuring that this is very, very sustainable. um, And that partnerships are really important in ensuring that sustainability. So we have a very huge network of, from the farmer who supplies the beans, the tomatoes, everything that goes into the meals, uh, to the child and the parent who then uh, consume or contribute for, for those meals to be consumed.
1: What are some of the challenges you faced in running Food for Education Kenya and how have you addressed or overcome them?
0: Yeah, so one of the challenges uh, obviously is always uh, building a team. So uh, I can't do this work alone. You know, I'm just one person. Uh, when it started on, it was just me and one cook, so um, <laughs> it's important. Now we have around 2,000 people, so building a strong team has been helpful, and even serving the number of meals that I mentioned, there's no way I could be able to serve those meals by myself. So Building a strong team has been really helpful. Um, obviously, you learn a lot, you make mistakes, you're able to grow uh, in your leadership when you're building a team. You learn this kind of person thrives at Food for Education, this kind of person doesn't. So that tweaking and making sure that we have the right people and the right people are also being incentivized to stay is really important. Uh, The other challenge is, you know, getting government buy-in, especially in the early days um, and continuously to get government buy-in to be able to provide um, school meals for kids. It's really important that we um, we get government buy-in because uh, at the end of the day, the government is the duty bearer for school meals or for children in public schools. So that has been a challenge. We've overcome that through having a track record and also really involving our government stakeholders. Um, the other challenge is, you know, a more current one around uh, food prices and inflation and the cost of living and how that affects our cost per meal and how that affects our unit cost. So doing that has been really helpful. That ha- Having um, controls for our cost per meal has been really helpful and making sure that, you know, we're buying at the right time, we're bulk buying, we're making sure that we're able to Um, account for every single bag of rice or beans or something that is coming in through our warehouse to make sure that there are no leakages and wastages.
1: I can see you're using quite strategic approaches to address your challenges. Are there any ongoing challenges in the field of education and food security that you believe need more attention or innovative solutions?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you look at at one thing that I think really makes a big difference is, of course, school feeding. And I think that school feeding um, requires a lot of innovation because we're making sure that kids are eating every day. Uh, When we talk about food systems, we're often looking at the production side, which is very uh, critical and we should continue to focus focusing on it, um, and making sure that when we're looking at production, we're looking at also demand. So school feeding helps address the demand question and the consumption question, and it's enabling us to scale a more efficient and cost-effective model uh, across Kenya and ultimately other countries. So I think one of the key things around innovation um, is around making sure that school feeding which is a proven intervention skills uh, is sustainable and it's addressing both the production side and the demand side of of the value chain
1: thank you for sharing that looking at sustainability how does food for education kenya approach sustainability in its programs are there efforts to ensure long-term impact and self-sufficiency for the communities you serve
0: Yeah, I mean, our model 100% is built on local ownership. So if you look at how we hire the staff, um, we engage parents of the children in our program who contribute uh, micropayments, very small amounts, to enable them to um, continuously sustain and have buy-in into their um, children's nutrition. We've also established innovative partnerships with key government stakeholders towards universal school feeding. That reduce the contribution of parents in some, uh, some regions and further uh, ensure long-term community own- ownership. Um, you know, it means that our school feeding program is a bit different uh, in terms of that local ownership, where the food is coming from local, uh, is coming locally, the staff are local, the government that's contributing is local, um, the community is local, and the food is being consumed by the child uh, locally. So we're really rooting our solution very locally to make sure that kids are getting the right nutrition.
1: You have really engaged the local community, which is critical for sustainability. How do you measure success beyond just the provision of meals? Are there other metrics or indicators that you consider?
0: Yeah, we look at education outcomes, uh, which are measured through school performance and retention rates, and we're monitoring cognition cognition and classroom engagement. We also track our cost per meal to ensure that we're effectively Uh, leveraging economies of scale and building efficient operations that are sustainable, replicable, and scalable. Uh, And we'll also look at um, ensuring that government partnerships are are successful uh, so that we can increase government spending towards school feeding. So those are some of the metrics. There's the impact metrics, there's the uh, business operations metrics like cost per meal, and there's also the sustainability metrics, which is making sure that, for example, the government continues to be involved in school feeding.
1: You mentioned earlier your engagement with community as suppliers, workers, and contributors to the school feeding program. How does Food for Education Kenya involve the community beyond that in the decision making process?
0: Community is actually at the core of everything we do. So when I, I mentioned that when we started, uh, we started in rural, which is the community that I grew up in. And it was a, a passion project for me, but it was really important that we started in a place that I had local roots. It was just 25 kids, but that's also the first place that we built our first central kitchen. Uh, we look at how we engage you know, local communities through, for example, we look at our... Uh, customer care efforts. So we have a customer experience team that is constantly engaging parents, constantly doing service, understanding what can we do better, how can we improve our service, and involving that, including that feedback into decision making. So about menu, about service, about things like, you know, the lunch line took too long to serve and things like that. So making sure that we're leveraging what we have from our feedback loop perspective to use that to inform our how we structure our program and we also leverage relationships through community leadership uh, to create job opportunities for parents for the for people in the community uh, and to ensure that everyone essentially is participating and benefiting from the school feeding program
1: have you observed any positive changes in the communities you serve beyond the immediate impact on students
0: yeah, we've seen, you know, um, increasing jobs. I mentioned that we have about 2,000 people who benefit from Food for Education as a form of employment, but there are many more who benefit from our local sourcing, from our operations, who are feeding into our value chain. Uh, and there are a lot of changes that we've seen. For example, um, the you know, a lot of our staff have their first uh, formal job with us. So a lot of them are coming from the informal sector and they're coming in and they have a formal job you know where people have guaranteed income they can now depend on something they can you know plan and take their kids to school and do things like that that where they have a dependable income uh we've seen um also improvement in for example some of our suppliers so i remember there's one supplier who mentioned that her first uh supply to us she delivered with uh uh a motorbike because it was so small and we were so small and the latest one that she delivered was with 65 trucks so you can see the difference in terms of moving from bringing a a, a truck uh, a motorbike delivery to then going to 65 trucks means her business has grown she's built her capacity uh, but also she's benefiting from being in our value chain
1: the growth is quite tremendous what are the future plans and goals for Food for Education Kenya? Are there new initiatives or expansions on the horizon?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we have an ambitious goal to serve a million meals daily by 2027, uh, in the ne- by 2027, and we aim to feed about 50% of Kenya's county through a regionally distributed replicable and cost-effective model for school feeding. So that's in our plan in terms of how we're looking at growing. One of the focus that we're thinking about is how we can be able to build a blueprint Uh, for school feeding um, and to leverage and expand national school feeding programs. So there are 200 million children um, in Africa, it's estimated, and we want to mainstream school feeding programs into national policy and local systems. So one of the things that we're looking at is how we can increase our footprint within Kenya and outside Kenya uh, to ensure that more kids are getting nutritious meals.
1: Finally. Based on your experience, what advice would you give to individuals or organizations looking to address social issues, particularly in the field of education and food security?
0: So my advice would be around embracing strategic partnerships to add the scale and impact. Uh, towards scale and impact, because you know there are benefits of collaborating with others, which include you know capacity building, access to f- financing, and other other benefits. But even with our farmers, with with our value chain, making sure that we're collaborating with communities. The advice I would have for anyone is really make sure that the solution that you're bringing forth is very collaborative. And that benefits various people in the value chain. Uh, We have seen a proven willingness for parents and communities to contribute daily to school meals. And at the same time with our partnership, our partnership with government is helping to build an ecosystem that forces sustainable delivery of quality school lunches. So those strategic partnerships are really important because our end goal is to make sure that kids are having nutritious meals.
1: We've come to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much, Wawira and for sharing with us the incredible work you do at Food for Education. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: At Inho Moko, we're dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs
1: across Africa with the tools, resources and knowledge they need to flourish in today's competitive business landscape. Now we're bringing that passion to this podcast, taking you on a journey
0: through inspiring stories from around the globe.